Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Phil Tiger. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Slacker podcast being recorded out of its new home in Belfast City. Yeah that's right I moved back and I have many 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 more podcasts in in the bank. I actually have the season pretty much done. I think maybe bar one that I have left to record and yeah like the, 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 we're on season five now of this um, this wonderful podcast. Thank you for coming on this um this journey as it is a podcast you you know how disjointed they they are like I, I used to follow um, adam buxton all the time and you'd be like you'd get a glut of about 10 and then you'd be waiting forever for the rest of them and that's that's kind of why i like it because you know when you're a freelance um like me myself things get really busy sometimes and things are like going okay yeah got time to do this now uh but yeah thank you for for being a a slacker um thank you to the patreons of slacker who go to patreon.com forward slash um slacker podcast um and also this podcast is sponsored by childa beats um c-h-i-l-l-d-a-b-e-a-t-s it's all one word it is my show my new radio show on spotify it is all to do all right rebel she loves chill the beats. That's that's just, she's just in the background, just going. It really eases me up. It really chills me out when the postman is at the front door. I'm gonna I'm gonna put her on to it now. Um, but listen, go and listen to chill the beats. It's two hours of the best chill music. <laughs> this is so hard to do. Shut up, <laughs> Rebel. Why don't you introduce James Arthur being on the podcast then? No, she's not into it. Okay, our podcast today is with the one and only James Arthur. Here he is in three, two, one. Go on, Rebel, have the last word. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, right, I'm not sure what's what's going on. But here, listen, um, it's, it's lovely to have you on. I've been I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So, so, where, where are you based, anyway? Where are you? Where are you at? I'm in uh, in Surrey. I'm, I moved out of London um, like a year ago now. Probably the best best move I've ever. Probably the best move I've made for my career, for my for my health. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Just a good a good call in general. Um, so yeah, I live I live in like Walton Walton on Thames. I don't know if you're mm. familiar with that. No, um, no, I'm not. I live in I, I live in Brighton. Like now, so but, Brighton, but, yeah. yeah, I'm in Brighton, but I'm actually I'm moving to I'm moving back to Belfast next week. Nice, yeah. I suppose you can be anywhere now, can't you? Really? Listen, man. Yeah. Soon, soon as I left um, Radio One and started my new show on on Spotify and and doing this, I was like, I could fuck off to Greece for a month and do this yeah. if I wanted to. Like, be anywhere the fuck. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it sort of made. It makes me a bit angry the amount of times I got in the car and drove into <laughs> London for like meetings that were just I could have done like this <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. not putting trousers on no, I, I have trousers on for the record so. <laughs> I mean I ran a I ran a label for about two years through Sony so mm-hmm. I, I used to have to do that Kensington boogie um, from, right. from from East London over uh, up into oh, the, the, the building man. up there and it's just like 
I just yeah. I just can't be bothered with it. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I'm at a point where I'm like, because I've always lived west. It's just all I've known. It like plunked me in a flat in Kensal Rise when I came off the X Factor and just got used to that area and sort of moved about west and everything. Any sort of content or any videos or anything, they're always just shot in East London. I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was the same other way, right? Do they give you like? Do they give you a flat like when when you do that? Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I was paying for it, but they, they, I didn't, I didn't really have much say at the time uh, in where the flat, you know, what the flat was. It, it was a bit of a, I hate the term because it's so overused in, in terms of in my uh, in my narrative, but the whirlwind of the X Factor and everything. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I imagine it would be like being like you know if a young footballer. Yeah. You know, any young footballer yeah. moves clubs and like they're maybe plucked out of obscurity. Imagine like Ronaldo or yeah. something, right? Like plucked from Portugal yeah. to United, and then they they probably set you up with a house and all the trimmings yeah, and bits that, and pieces. Isn't that a concept so weird? Like that, just someone's just someone's looking for a house for you or a flat for you, and then <laughs> you're just there. You don't you don't get to decide you know, where your home is. I I remember um, before I started on on Radio One, I was like traveling over and back just to sort of sit in the background and like be a little bit of a sleuth and just watch what yeah. was happening and one of the presenters will remain nameless just because for professional reasons like but i heard them on the phone just before the show and their like agent was paying their gas bill and electricity bill and i was just like i oh, never like, i never experienced that in the whole time i was on radio yeah. one like <laughs> I, I had to pay my own bills Right, yeah, so kind of a kind of superstar DJ vibe. Yeah, well that yeah, <laughs> I mean that's it. Like I think like that that whole idea of of celebrity is is actually it's hilarious like looking back at it cuz I definitely had this idea that I had to because I was at Radio 1 now and I I think I maybe started there when I was 24, 25 and I had this idea that I should be going out to like these like really exclusive events and I should be like in Shoreditch House every other day, and I should be at like um, these like real posh parties. Oh, yeah. And I think and like yeah, mix, mixing with like your Harry Styles and people like that. I think I did. Yeah. I did it for like two months, and I fucking hated it. And I was back in the local Irish pub drinking within like the end of the year. Yeah, I've never, I've never been. I've not really got. Yeah, never gotten into that scene like showbiz circles and stuff. Like I, I find it all a bit vapid and vacuous. Like I can't. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some really ama- amazing people in, in the music industry, and in, yeah, in, totally, and in television, and you know, I've got some good mates and stuff. But the yeah, the idea of like yeah, like you say, going to these events or sort of being expected to go to, to go to events, or like in order to stay relevant and be seen. Yeah, thing, yeah. I, I just I may, maybe I'd be further on in my career if I'd done it, but I, it just never appealed to me. I don't know. I think you're pretty. Far, I think you're pretty much as far on as most as most people get. Like, in, in, no, to I'm, be not, I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm ambitious. I'm ambitious. Yeah. You kind of um, have to, but then you see these people. That, I mean, like they don't have maybe as, as as much chops when it comes to like songwriting, or when it, as, much, as much chops when it comes to like the, the actual talent of why you're there, and they seem to like benefit by partnering up with somebody like you know they'll be like okay right so you're gonna go out with x and you're gonna go out for a while and we're gonna put you in the the, the papers and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff did, did, wild yeah it's wild isn't it did, did, uh, do you ever get a pro because i mean like I, I would imagine like you know psycho back in the day wouldn't have been adverse to like going well, you know, maybe if we get James, we'll, we'll get him a little bit bigger. Maybe we can go out with <laughs> Katie Price for a little while or something. Well, I, that's, it's a good question. I expected a bit of that, but it never really never really happened for me. Maybe it's just like gauge that I was a bit of a weirdo introvert and that like that they just weren't going to get that from me. I, I remember like very early on at being at a couple of events and like I think some of the label people being a bit taken aback how I dealt with people taking photos of me. Even like, yeah, yeah. I remember as a photographer, I was stood at a bar, and in my obvious, obviously, my life before the X Factors, my experience of standing at a bar, nobody comes with a fucking camera and starts flashing snaps of you, kind yeah. of thing. While you talk, while you're talking to a little mix member, let's say or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't talking to little mix before, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, mate, don't do that. That was kind of my reaction, and I think they were all a bit like, "Whoa!" Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're a bit, yeah. they were a bit like, "Okay, this guy doesn't fucking like this at all. Maybe we should just let him be," sort of thing. I um, think, I think I that's 
true enough though, isn't it? Like, I mean, you're a lad from Middlesbrough and you're, you're used to going for a few pints. Like, and I mean, nobody's used to, you're not used to getting no. a camera stuck in your face or somebody coming up to you. Yeah. So yeah, I guess in answer to your question, like, no, I, I wasn't really, those kinds of things weren't suggested to me. I think I might've been like honey dicked a couple of times by, by um, certain ladies. But uh, what does that, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. I went. I went on a date. I, I I won't name the girl, but I went on a date with a girl who was, you know, in the public eye at one point. And um, oh, that's her. That's her. She's ringing. I, you. She's ringing her, telling you to shut up. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of photos of us the next day, and it all seemed a little. It all felt a little bit set up. It all felt a little bit like I'd been. Um, I don't know if it's called honey dicked or honey trapped. <laughs> both both work. Um, but I mean. I I understand. I did, it took me many many years to understand why you always see a lot of people who are musicians hang about with comedians, or comedians hang about with musicians, or actors hang yeah. about with um, whatever. And I realized that the majority of the reason for that is is because you can't have a normal life because you you can't just walk about the place without getting snapped or papped or whatever. So you kind of have to go to these exclusive places and hang about with these certain people. Otherwise, your life's a bit of a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've got to be honest. It, it, you know, as I, as I get older, I, I do think it'd be nice sometimes to maybe get together. A, so, I've, you know, I've got mates in in the industry that I maybe haven't, I haven't, I haven't built, I haven't sort of like uh, built those relationships as much as maybe as I could have. Um, I've always kind of kept my day one mates and like, you know, preferred to drive five hours back to Middlesbrough and have a game of poker with the same lads that, that I've known since I was a kid, rather than go to go and play golf with I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> insert celebrity name kind of thing. And, and, but um, as as I, yeah, as I get older, kind of you know, um, I guess you get used to a certain type of lifestyle, and those things become more appealing to you. And and uh, it is something that you know, I think maybe he's being around more like minded people or people that can relate to where where I'm at might you know might benefit me a little bit. But that uh, just just hasn't happened. What's, what's your um what's your online poker game like because like <clears throat> one thing that's kept me sane during lockdown is that like once every two weeks actually do you know what maybe it's been three weeks now we must be due me and my yeah. mates from school will play poker and i'll get lit i'll just like buy in the buying a box of beer and just sit out in the studio and just get absolutely steaming playing poker yeah. we do that same we do the same thing mate was it called poker um, poker face or something and that was an app yeah, anyway, there's a few of them. I don't want to like endorse, mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, no, that's yeah. Me and all my big poker fan, we did we do the same thing. Yeah, at, at the at the very beginning of the lockdown, I was balls deep in the uh, poker stars app. I was I was doing too much really. I was just entering like five hundred dollar tournaments every every couple of hours and stuff, just sitting on that all day. And um, I'm, I'm, my my game's pretty good to be fair. Yeah. I've won I've won a couple of tournaments. It's not like crazy money or out but it's something i'm interested in doing moving forward like uh, a mate of mine is going to start doing a, stri- a stream of some poker games i might get involved in that but if you fact yeah if, you, if you're into it, <laughs> you might have to play me in for lower stakes than you but i mean like yeah like it i think it's a it's a it's a fascinating game but it's one of those ones that you you, you don't you never want to be down like you like it's like you know the whole gambling thing is like you know you just you want to be at that level where you're not spending more than than yeah than you can afford because you see you do see some people fall down that trap people that i know that have done successfully with poker tend to be the ones that have people staking them so like they'll be they'll be like rich investors and there's boys from back home who've made tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds um playing poker but they never put their own money in so someone just managing the stakes, basically, like yeah, yeah. Making yeah so like uh, that, they, that is, that's a good strategy, I think. So that, there'll be some rich, rich fella in New York or whatever, and he'll be sitting back watching. You know, like, kind of almost like Twitch. He'll be yeah. sitting, sitting lurking in the room, um, yeah. and he'll have like put up his like five hundred quid or thousand pound or whatever it is, wow, and, that's, and he that's just so pl- plays for him. And then if he wins, they they split it fifty fifty. That's that's a good idea. I like that. That way you're yeah. not up or down. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I will just say to anybody who's listening to this podcast, like, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you to go and gamble here. Like, I'm it's. <laughs> I deleted the app by the way for a little while because I, I, I kind of, I sensed I was getting a bit carried away with it. Yeah, so, yeah. I think we, we responsible gambling guys. Yes, exactly. No, it's very true. It is very true. But I mean, like, like you know, 
there's just you fall into all sorts of habits during during um, an enforced worldwide lockdown that that you probably normally wouldn't do like yeah. what, like how how has that been for you because i i i know from my own self and i i read a little bit about this for you so and i, I can i kind of want to talk about it really is we mm. both have health anxiety up the yin yang like i mean i fucking can get a twinge in my finger and convince myself that my arm's about to fall off like you know yeah 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 um yeah i i'm terrible for it ever ever since um I started getting, um, and again, like, I'm sorry if anyone said this is a bit of a one narrative for me, but like I did, panic attacks is something like, um, that I started suffering severely with in two, uh, when I was on TV. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I the, the beginning of 2020 was quite tough for me health wise. I, I got I got rushed into hospital with a with a gallbladder infection. I know it sounds pretty minor, but like, um, you know, when something like that happens, you sort of take stock of how you've been looking after yourself and the things you've been doing. And it was one of them things where if we don't get rid of your gallstones or gallbladder or whatever, you you know, you, your life's in jeopardy, sort of thing. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck! Like, I need to really start thinking about this. And then. I had a bit, you know, I, I, I took away some sort of mental problems from that. And I, I was very busy at that time. I was a bit exhausted. I was on tour. I had to cancel the whole tour. We, we cleared my schedule for the year before the global pandemic, just to give me a bit of respite, basically. And, and maybe even go into rehab and um, address some of the, not to get too deep on you, but like some of the, probably some of the childhood traumas that I'd been carrying around with me that meant that I kept hitting these roadblocks in my life where mm. I would just hit this wall of depression or anxiety. And, um, yeah, so I did like this month in between that gallbladder surgery thing of sort of mental and physical recovery, um, doing bits of CBT therapy and stuff like that. And, um, because I had an, I had a UK arena tour booked in, in, in the March yeah. and it's, and and I had to I had to do it. It's one of them where it's like, you, you, know, you can't cancel that. I cancel that shit. Yeah. Like it's just not going to happen. So I had to kind of get myself up for it, and um, I got through it, and it's brilliant. But on like the last two dates of the tour, it was like there's this fucking virus hit the world. <laughs> we were the last show to go out in the UK. Yeah, we were the last show to 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 be performed in the UK in Leeds. It was like a rescheduled midweek gig, and. Um, yeah, so it was just like I got through that whole beginning of the year with the health stuff, and then, and then it was like you got to stay inside now. And if you've got respiratory problems, which I, which I, I've got a bit of asthma, mm. it's like um, you know, just stay the fuck inside and don't go out. And, you know, it was everyone can relate. We've just been, we've all been through it the last year. It's horrible, but yeah, the health anxiety was bad. So um, that first couple of months of lockdown for me was just, yeah, it was a bit, a bit of a wreck. I started smoking weed heavy again probably wasn't the best idea um just anything to kind of try and calm me down and stuff mm. um sad so really you know just eating and like irresponsibly again i just thought no one's going to see me for ages but, <laughs> yeah it, it, yeah it wasn't until halfway through that lockdown that i decided i got off my ass and um started going out for runs and making music again really no i i, I feel that like i mean my, my head was up my hole for for yeah. um about like a, a good a good part of like the first few months of it anyway I, yeah. I, anytime i was going outside i was wearing blue gloves i was like you know and, and a lot of people couldn't really understand why i was so cautious about things and they were, it was almost like you know i was at odds with other people because they weren't and i wasn't going near anybody and i was like mad on the hand sanitizer and you know yeah. it, this all sounds quite minor stuff like but when you when you're standing beside somebody who doesn't give a shit and you look like that, it makes you feel like you're like, like, like being precious about it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And it, it, it definitely is. And I mean, like uh, as the no. pandemic and stuff kind of went on, I think people really understood more and more. Cause like, listen, mm. if you got to wear some gloves or you got to put some hand sanitizer on to not catch a lung eating fucking virus. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I'd yeah, happily yeah. wear them. Do you know what I'm saying? Mate, I, I didn't even step outside. I was fucking terrified, mm. terrified of this thing. But I yeah. think like one of the things that like helped me that I started at the end of the start of lockdown was um, I started meditating for like 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. And yeah. I was always of the persuasion before that, that meditating was for, you know, somebody to go up and 
stand beside a goat at the top of t- Tibet and and, <laughs> and look off into the sun and and quote mantras back to yourself. But oh, but it's yeah. not like it's it's a it's a pro. It just gives you um, yeah, gives you a bit of clarity. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I um I don't do it enough, nowhere near enough. But any time that I have done it, and and, and for me also, um, I also discovered the power of meditation during that time as well. Mm. Um, my missus showed me um, just a ten minute one. She just said, "Do this." I bet I bet you just get that bit because that it, it really does. I mean, I, I definitely subscribe to anyone listening who who who's thought about maybe he's giving it a go. It just gives you that stillness, doesn't it? It just, all that uh, negative chatter in mm. your head just slows right down and um, quietens down those um, those negative thoughts for sure. Was it Headspace, the one you were on? I think Headspace, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah, the one yeah. I'm on to. Like, uh, yeah, it taught, it, kinda, it taught me that you can't think your way out of a problem or a bad thought. You kind of just have to let it, let it fucking yeah. taper yeah. out naturally. When you try and fight, you just catastrophize, don't you? It just, it yeah. just gets, it just gets worse. The, yeah. the best piece of advice that somebody gave to me about it, and I, I do think about it often, um, being an, a fucking typical overthinker. But like, yeah, it, it's yeah. like when you break your leg, you don't walk on it to get it better. Like you can't run off a broken leg. You have to just let it go, let it be. That's, yeah, it's a perfect way to put it. I, I, I totally agree. I, I like that, you know. Some people have a problem with the fact that every every man and his dog now um, thinks he's got anxiety and whatever, and it's like we we, we have we're just re- we're just removing the stigma, you know. Yeah, we're just removing that. That's it, man. Like I, I've been having panic attacks since I was seventeen. Like I mean, I feel yeah. like, I feel like uh, you know, like when it comes to like memes and stuff, I feel like a granddad because I remember all the first memes. So like when it comes yeah, to like yeah. anxiety and panic and stuff like that, when people talk about it, I feel like. I'm like, a, like the, the, the old oil of going. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Now Now I'm kind of like in control of it and like aware of all the things I was doing in order to cause it. Like I was, I was setting myself up to fail every single day because I was living in fear of it. Yeah. I was like, if I do, if I do this or if I go here, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to have it. It's going to happen. And, and I was, I was doing, I was trying, I was avoiding all of these trigger points and all these pressure points constantly, which was just, and it doesn't go. It doesn't go away either. Like I mean, like you, like it, it it dulls down to a point where you can barely even hear it anymore. But like, there's sometimes where I would go for a run, and I'd be, I just get this wave of going, "Shit, I need to run home." And I'm like, yeah. "Fuck it, I'm just going to run through it." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Run. That's that's the one, though, isn't it? You've got to feel it, and you've got to lean, lean into it, as they say. Yeah, I, I, I think it's important for people um, like yourself to to talk about it because you've got a platform, you've got an audience, and. And like, I mean, listen, like even just like a scour of your Instagram, like if, if you can reach it, like uh, a couple of hundred people or even 10 people out of the 2 million that you've got on Instagram, then you've done a good job. Like, yeah, I always say, I think we've any, anyone with a platform kind of has a responsibility to, uh, I mean, maybe that's not the right way to, way to put it. I don't know, but I, I certainly feel a responsibility, like knowing what I've been through and, um, not only what I've been through, but then then had the courage to still do. You know, I could have I could have definitely walked away from from all of this uh, at one point on many on, on many occasions, but I haven't. I've kept sort of pushing, kept fighting through, and um, so I definitely feel the responsibility to share with people that you know if I if I can do it um, and try and explain the sort of the, like anxiety in the most visceral way that I can, or, or you know really explain uh, talk about the lowest points that I've been at then mm. it might just help some kid who's who just is giving up you know what I mean big time man like that level of resilience I want to <clears throat> I want to come back to that because like I feel like that, that that resilience word is something that impinges the whole way through it that comes down it goes down the spine of your career where there's been like left turns right turns 180s and and, and you've you've managed to beast through it which is which is like really impressive because it's a it's a tough old industry i want to go back to the beginning like your first musical memory what what, what's that like like is it like a a song or a track or a moment or first my first musical memory um you got me thinking uh, when you said resilience there it's not it's someone asked me how i want to be remembered yesterday and i couldn't really i didn't really think but like the resilient that that's a cool way to 
Maybe that's the name of the next album. Is it? I don't know. There's Zillion. There you go. True, jo- True Jordy, you can have that one for free. <laughs> there you go. You can yeah. remember it in your podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My uh, my first memory of music. Well, uh, luckily, um, my my mum and dad are very um, the big music lovers. Um, my mum was just always playing music. So was my dad. They lived separately. They divorced. Unfortunately, when I was like, before before I could remember. But I remember being at my dad's house and. He'd be playing Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and The Who, like Keith Moon. My dad was a drummer, so his 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 hero was Keith Moon. Oh my God! Uh, could he could he drum like Keith Moon? Well, I mean, nobody can. Yeah. I mean, he'll claim that he can. He I don't think he, he didn't stick out for very long. Um, he played he played like in clubs and stuff, and then then he became a DJ, and he was sort of the the the, the guy about town, the DJ. And I think he just he got into that, and then drumming sort of got left behind a bit. But yeah, he he loved. I mean, The Who are his. Um, were his heroes and Black Sabbath, and um, so I was hearing a lot of that kind of stuff when I was younger. Mm. Um, and then, then the sort of other end of the spectrum with like Michael Jackson and Prince and Elvis, uh, the great or George Michael. Like my mum was playing all that stuff, Stevie Wonder, um, Temptation. So I guess my soul kind of pop um, sensibilities would probably come from from that. And my first memories of like really falling in love with the idea of doing music myself was I, I was singing along to some of this stuff and my mum was just very like you know she was like you're the best singer in the world my mum was so <laughs> over the top like that's so funny because that like I always think you, you, I always say when mums or dads say to people going oh you're a great, a great singer I just say oh you're an x-factor mum you know, like, <laughs> you know the yeah. x-factor mums are the ones that tell oh, like my Shanice is one of the best singers ever and then she comes yeah. in and she's like amazing great <laughs> yeah my, my, my mom was, was like yeah she had a bit of that stage mom you know she was just very yeah just filled us all with a lot of confidence like my sister was like the, the this like second coming of like fucking einstein yeah she was just very like over the top with and she was you know i, I guess i credit her with that maybe i wanted to impress her a lot when i was younger yeah uh, I, I I definitely remember like putting voices on and stuff and like imp- impersonating people when I was a kid just to make the family yeah. laugh because yeah. I think there's there's something really addictive and I think you get it at a very young age um, of having people's attention and a, a positive experience coming from it. So if you sing and your mom's like, oh, and that's brilliant. Yeah, you, like you know, rightly you were running around for two weeks straight, like going, I'm going to sing this song now. Hundred <laughs> percent, and and yeah, I think. M- it probably became a bit of an obsession because my mum, like, God, like, love her. She, you know, me and my mum have had our issues over the years. She was either my best mate or my worst enemy. So, like, when I wasn't in favour with her, like, I guess I was like, maybe it was a bit of I'm not good enough or something. And then, you know, it would make me more obsessed with the craft. And I don't know. Um, it's a weird one that I do. Yeah, I, I think I credit that sort of, like, tumultuous relationship I had with my mum maybe for, for what for why I became kind of obsessed with it and then I started relating to people like Kurt Cobain who's I guess like his whole thing was his mum and dad broke up and he hated that and he was like the sort of like anti-establishment kid and you know um I think that that was kind of who I modeled myself on as, like, a, as a youngster yeah I, I can I can feel that like I mean my parents broke up when I was a kid as well and yeah. you kind of you reach for the sort of people that you don't have in your life. So say if you, if your dad wasn't about, your mom wasn't about that, you tend to like try and Mm -hmm. find those people. But also on the flip side, you're like looking for the rebellion of like somebody who's gone through the same shit as you. Cause it makes you feel normal, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, that's why I was just like, it was like, I think I was about 11, 12. It was then that I, I picked up a, a guitar and, and, um, you know, learnt smells like teen spirit and just just wanted to be in a grunge band, I think. And that was that was sort of where that like being a front man of a rock band journey started and kind of went up until my early twenties when I well I was always interested in hip hop and rap and Eminem and, and Dr. Dre and things like that. And I'd started trying to mix the two. I had this band called the James Arthur band, where it was just like a bunch <laughs> of these amazing musicians. I'd been in loads of like indie and emo and rock bands prior to that, but I decided to try and fuse the two, my two loves like together in terms of the hip hop and the rock stuff. And um, I guess that's why when I, when it came to me doing the X Factor, like the thing I did was this mix of rap and 
and and rock and maybe I'd found my my sort of lane then. Mm. I mean, because like if like they like when you say hip hop and rock, the first thing that comes to my mind like straight away is new metal, like like you know Papa Roach, yeah, exactly, like Lincoln Park, yeah, uh, Limp Bizkit. I mean, we're the same sort of age. Like you, you would have been that that would have been a powerful genre coming up for you, right? Oh, link, yeah, Lincoln Park for sure. We're um, we're definitely a, a, a big influence. I was really uh, like, yeah. There were, yeah, I suppose, I suppose in terms of a hybrid of, of rock and rap, like Lincoln Park would be the yardstick, wouldn't they, I guess? Um, well, their album was called Hybrid Theory for, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, well, there you know? go, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But I, I, was, I was massively into, um, like, post-hardcore metal as well. Like, mm. I, really, I really loved Fightstar, you know, Charlie Simpson. Yeah, fan. yeah, yeah. I, I just thought, I just still think they're so underrated. Like, I think they're, what they were doing felt like pioneering to me. I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. I, I wrote down like a, the, the the band names that you were in because I, I love hearing about bands that are in bands beforehand. Like I played in, I played when I was a teenager. From I played for, in bands for about seven or eight years probably. Yeah. Um, but I was only in one band the, the whole time, like an indie band with my friends. But I've, yeah. I've written down yours, right? And yeah. I, I, wanted, I want you to say the first word that comes to your mind when, when, when I say them, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Moonlight Drive. Um, Jordan Swain Cue the drama Emo Save the arcade That has to be emo Very very emo That had to be emo That was the most emo name of all of them Save yeah. the arcade um, I can just uh, I can picture the, the sweeping fringe That you had oh, but Yeah the, My god Blued yeah. tips at the end Yeah Oh, you, You'd laugh at some of the images That come from that <laughs> whole thing And then Emerald Sky, I think, is the last one, which sounds more Emerald metal. Sky was more pop, yeah. It was was more of, pop? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was kind of going more towards pop. There, um, there was another singer in that band whose who's dad is from Northern Ireland. Um, mm. I think we got that sort of Emerald Emerald Sky, sky that's, <laughs> that's where we came from. Um, so, I mean, like, which of the which of those four bands were the most likely to, like, make it, or which ones were the ones that, like, you were, like closest with do you reckon uh, save our kid for sure we 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 were kind of we were going for a little while um on the scene we supported mayday parade so you know mayday parade um and uh yeah in the area we were kind of one of the probably the one of the better known sort of rock in the emo bands whatever you want to call it um yeah, we, we won this competition with Atticus, you know, the clothing line Atticus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the competition days. They don't really do them yeah, anymore, do they? Yeah, exactly. And um, and basically the, the, the prize was to support um, Mayday Parade at the um, the Town Hall, which is kind of the biggest venue in, in Middlesbrough. Uh-huh. And uh, it just felt like if we'd had a bit more resources, a bit more money to make better demos and things, we, we could have we we gone there. We saw did some gigs in London and Glasgow and things like that. And um, yeah, it's one of them where like all, all the other lads in the band who were getting to a point where it was like, my mum wants me to go to fucking uni and uh, I need to get a job and I need to do this and that. Yeah. And I was just like, nah, like oh, let's be on the dole and just go for it. So, <laughs> That's what I did for a bit. Like I did, definitely stayed on the dole and played in the band. Actually, like one of our fa- favourite gigs or like one of our biggest gigs probably um, outside of Ireland was playing in the Clooney um, yeah, that was a competition see anybody who's listening to this right now under the age of 25 right the the, yeah. the mid 2000s to, to early 2010s seemed to be there used to be a battle of the bands competition they used to have them on tv or orange <laughs> act unsigned and things like that orange act unsigned, yeah i remember that <laughs> it, was mad, it was mad that because you know simon gavin who was one of the judges on that he ended up becoming like Good mate of mine. Anyway, that's that's irrelevant. Well, I say all I'm going to say is if there's any um, uh, phone companies out there that want to do a battle of the bands right now, um, James, you can be judge of one of them. I'll do, I'll do the other. Hey, we should, we should judge it. That would be class. <laughs> I think we've got enough knowledge between us. Of exactly. I've bands. I've not won enough of them to know how it feels not to. So I can be the, I can be the, the the shoulder to cry on. I'll be the Dermot O'Leary for this. Um. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. So I mean, like. Obviously, the 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 idea of of making it in music was just it felt like it was like tunnel vision for you, really, um, at that stage, and yeah. like the idea of going on the X Factor after playing in four or five bands at that stage, 
was that even something you were like taking seriously? Was it because like I can imagine what if if I was how old were you when you went in? Twenty four. Yeah, if I, I think if I was twenty four and had been in bands before, I probably would have been like, I'll do this for a bit of crack. Fuck it, like see what happens. Yeah, it was very much that. I mean, I like up until that point, which was quite a desperate point in my life, <laughs> and like a point where I was sick of feeling and sounding deluded to everyone around me when I'd say like. I'm gonna make I'm gonna it. Be sort a star. Of I'm gonna gonna be a star, man. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. Like I was just a bit sick of that because uh, like everyone and a lot of people would say to me like, just fucking go and win the X Factor, and I'd be like, all right, yeah, cool, sure, I'll just go. Yeah, yeah. it's easy as that. Easy, yeah. Um, but like, it, it really like it, I really hated the idea because I, I watched the X Factor, and you know, with all due respect to the people that make the show, because a lot of my mates made that show and stuff like. I watched it and I and I would always think that's it's corny, um, and I, and I hated the idea of not having um, control over how the performances came out and how the you know how things looked and whatever. Like probably a bit of a control freak in terms of how I want my art to be perceived or how I'm perceived mm. as an art. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And it's almost the, like the antithesis of, of that, like in terms yeah. of you have to shout pretty loud for, for to be heard, I'd imagine. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And the, do you know what? The thing, the thing was is, um, you know, really and truly, uh, it was a desperation move because uh, not only like in terms of my career um, ambitions, but I was just batshit poor. I was living in this bedsit and didn't have two pennies to rub together. Um, and X Factor were taking this like um, mobile, they were doing these mobile auditions. So they'd come to Middlesbrough. They were in Middlesbrough on a day where I guess I was vulnerable and my my electricity <laughs> had gone out in, in my, my bedsit. It was like I'm sitting in the dark for two days at this point. See, most people at this point would say the light, the a light bulb went up, but like for you, it went yeah. out. <laughs> it went out, and like the last thing I ever wanted to do was ring my mum and say, "Mum, borrows a tenner," because she'd just be like, "Nah," because I know that you, I know you're not gonna you're gonna spend it on cannabis or whatever. You know what I mean? She, I just didn't want to ask her. I, I I was in that headspace where I was like, I was a bit like, "Fuck you, my mum and dad," because they maybe hadn't helped me enough. Um, yeah up to that point um, but yeah again desperation point called my mum my mum said I'll, I'll borrow you the tenor but you've got to go and do these mobile auditions because I know they're in Middlesbrough at the minute and I and I sort of went I went down to get that tenor off, off my mum and I, and for, for a long time standing in that queue full of people with fucking pink wigs and all sorts and you know like this, <laughs> this, this, this circus of people yeah. I was just what the fuck am I doing here kind of thing. And I just, I don't know why I stuck it out. I stuck, I stuck it out and I, I, maybe it was like in hope for a bit of a confidence boost that they would like what I, what I do or whatever. And, um, got the, got the golden ticket. If you like the, the old Willy Wonka chocolate factory. And they, they 
fast-tracked me to the TV auditions, the thing you actually see, the first, like the, the, the first audition, there's like two, three auditions before that. Yeah, yeah. But I'd been, I sort of, yeah, anyway, that's, but, that's the... But I think, the, like, even... Like, I, remember, I remember what it was like to sign on back in those days, and you would have to go in with your job seekers uh, yeah. thing, your little pink sheet, or your pink book, um, yeah. and it would have four four um, uh, categories in it um, in a in a table, and it would be what you've done this week, um, what you did, um, uh, what the job was, and then what happens next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember that well. Yeah, yeah and it would be what happens next. And I was just thinking, like, you know, if that was the case, could you put in turned up for the X Factor? in your job seekers form. <laughs> yeah. I probably did to be fair. Cause I, I never knew how to fill them fucking things in. I was like, oh, I haven't looked for a job this week. I'm going to have to pretend I've been to Greg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I remember filling them in all the time. The funny column was the one that was at the very end, which just says what happens next. Yeah. And, and it would be like, you know, maybe you'd have it once a month or every two weeks and it would have to be either six or 12 attempts yeah. at, at working. And you're like going, well, what else fucking happens next? You Like you wait for a call or you get it or you don't. So like yeah. we, we used to get quite um, artistic with it and it'd be like, what happens next? And we'll be like, we wait for the wizard to call. Because <laughs> <laughs> just to see whether they read it or not. And half the time they never did. Like, no, half the time they didn't give a fuck, did they really? No. Yeah. You do understand though, when you're, when you are down to your last, last couple of quid, or yeah. even, or, or you're not. Yeah, what I, you're like, prepared to do. Yeah, yeah, what, what you're prepared to do. And and when I started signing on, like, I mean, I never, I don't, I don't have too much of a, of a woe story or anything. Like, I wasn't on the dole for for much longer than a year, and yeah. you know, my ma helped me out when when she could. Like, and yeah. when you when you start signing on, you you go in and you're like, why are these chairs bolted down? This is ridiculous. And then yeah. nine, maybe nine months in and you're skint and they're giving you shit about like being 15 minutes late and you can't, you can't get your money for a week or whatever. Then you're like, Oh, I understand why these are bolted down now. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's mad that like, I, I can almost smell, I can smell the job seekers allowance <laughs> place right now. Like when you're talking about it, it was, uh, there was some, yeah, some pretty shameful moments going in there. I was on the door for a long time. So we got a really bad un- uh, unemployment rate in Middlesbrough. It's mm. quite a hard place to to find work, but yeah, um, it's just, yeah, it's it's mad to think that um, that it that it happened in that way. Really, that that's how that's how it all came together. Like, and I kind of I kind of resent that 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 it, that's kind of a little bit part of my narrative. It seems like a bit of a, a war story, as you say, or a, like a mm. a sob story, if you like, because I never. I never wanted to be the victim. I, I wanted to be the guy who was just sort of like, you know, fighting along. Cause that's the culture I come from is like, you know, people are, people are tough there. You know, they, they knock you down a peg or two. If you think you're getting a, if they think you're getting above your station. kind Yeah. Of thing. But I, I, I think that like that story, you can tell that story two ways. You can tell it the victim way, um, yeah. which is the way that the media perceive it because it's similar to how the media portray people on on the dole when there's absolutely no shame of being on the dole at all in the slightest like it's a it's a system that's set up to to help people out um when 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 they need it and when the media portray um that story they always make the, the the person who's working class come across poorly whereas really when the 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 working class people and 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 general normal people will tell the story as a hardworking class hero, as somebody who is uh, has done good, like, you know, has gone yeah. out and made something of themselves. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a- Absolutely, yeah. I, I think you're totally right. And that, that's how it feels to me. That's how, Whenever I see any of my, my mates make it out of that like, and, do, and do well and hold down a job, yeah, it's absolutely that. Did you, did you ever get any shit going home, like, um, in Middlesbrough? Like, from... Because obviously you go, you go home after your first bit of bit of fame and you're going out to the boozer you've always been in and yeah. then fucking mary and tom who you don't know turn up and they're yeah. just like oh there he is thinks he's billy big bollocks oh, wait that i mean i i think that, <laughs> i think that middlesbrough is the antithesis of that mentality like that yeah. is, 
we, you know, it's the archetypal, oh, right, thinks he's fucking Billy Big Bollocks now, does he? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's going to be statues erected in my honor in, uh, <laughs> anytime soon. You know, pe- people assume that I think I'm, I'm, some, I'm something differently. And, and I think, you know, I credit that for probably how far I've come because I've never really allow, allowed people to gas me up too much. Um, yeah. I've had that probably the right level of insecurity or that, that the right level of being conscious of thinking I'm, I'm uh, anything better than I am. I, I'm very confident in my ability in music, but um, yeah, I've never, yeah, I've never allowed myself to get, cause yeah, I, there's been many times I've been waiting in, you know, not waiting in queues or like getting, getting in a club first in borough or whatever, if you like. And um, you hear the, um, you hear the, the last and the thing go, he's fucking shite him. He's not even that good. Oh, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's just always going to be the way. Like if you, if you're in the public, yeah. if you're in the public eye, you got to be able to take a yeah. co- couple of bullets like here and there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, what was your relationship with, like with, with Simon Kyle? Cause like, I, I mean, this is more, more like less me digging for any scoops, but more me actually just thinking of, what, like from me thinking about the X Factor, like mm. and him being the sort of Sven Galley behind the X Factor is like I always wonder like how hands on he actually is. Is he walking around telling people what to do? Is he actually building people's um building people's careers, or is he more of a figurehead Mickey Mouse kind of like logo of the thing? I don't I, I don't know where he fits in. Like, or is he, is he yeah, the the, a, the be all end all? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's um. I'm maybe not the best person to ask in, in the respect that when I was on the show, he wasn't a judge, so he um, I didn't deal with him much. Um, Who was the judge of the year you were on? Uh, it was Gary Barlow, uh, Talisa Nicole, and and uh, Louis Walsh. Um, but I, sp- you know, obviously I signed to Psycho after that, and then I dealt with him a bit. Um, well, I dealt with him a fair bit um, during the creative process, more the second time round when I got re-signed to them years later. Um, more in recent years, I've dealt with him, and and uh, I was really impressed with with uh, yeah his creative ideas. He he, he um, I was surprised actually, pleasantly surprised at how much he would um, suggest kind of more bespoke things like bespoke performances or just interesting things that weren't the norm. I think he himself got a little bit uh, tired of the the X Factor format and and that whole thing and was always trying to find new innovative innovative ways to freshen that up and i think um yeah maybe i don't know i don't know whether he gets enough credit for you know i mean he's he's played this like villainous character on tv that's where for a lot of years which got him where he is but behind the scenes i think he's much more down to earth actually he's he's vince mcmahon he's the vince he's the vince mcmahon of music like he's put on this like he's made this persona and he's kind of sticking to it He's nailed that, yeah. He's he's absolutely nailed that. <laughs> no, he definitely is. And then, like you know, the I was thinking the other day, right? Like when I was like, um, I was putting together a couple of questions for this, right? And I sat mm. sat there and I thought, and like you know, I am not target market for for these tracks at all. Mm. Um, like the the X Factor winners tracks, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And when I was like going right, I'm going to think of one, and I was mm. like, yours is the only one I can I can think of yours and Leona Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yours, well, the, thank you. Yeah, but like yours, yours is the one that I can I can think of. Um, but like when when you have like you know like you you've had like a, a music career to this point, and then you know there's a lot of stuff being thrown in your lap, and and you know it's it, there's a pressure on you to like be a certain way. Hmm. How do you put yourself back into your own career, if you know what I mean? Um. It's taken, it's taken a long time. It's taken a long time. It's taken me um, earning my stripes, I think, probably. Uh, yeah. Right up until this recent album. This, this last album has felt, uh, I've felt the most in control. And I, and I say it's taken a long time in the, in, in the respect of, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to like, think of a way to break it down. And, um, you know, you just released the odd thing that maybe you didn't want. Maybe you weren't 100% behind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wasn't, um, again, with all due respect to, like, the franchise of re- of um, The Greatest Showman. Like, when that opportunity came in, I was like, fuck, this is the biggest thing in the world right now. Yeah. This this whole thing. Um, 
Like it's an, an amazing opportunity to sing with Anne Marie, who's one of the most relevant people in pop music right now. Absolutely. Uh, be, be, you know, being asked to be part of it and sing on it. Um, my sort of career businessman head, I suppose, and, and everyone, everyone. I mean, if you're uh, my record label at that time, or you're you're advising me, you're gonna say you're a fucking idiot not to do that. But I'd be <laughs> lying. If, I'd be lying if I said like. Um, the, the save arcade front man in me, you know, the guy who wanted to be to go that way, um, kind of like cringes at the idea a little bit or um, winches at it. If that makes sense, like no, it does. If I if I was Ed Sheeran at that point, I'd have said no. Obviously, do you know what I mean? If I was, um, but, but I mean, like I think that Ed, like this is like, and I I have no basis on what what I, what I'm about to say at all, so it might be absolute pure shite. But yeah. I, I feel it like Ed Sheeran thinks about music like an Excel Excel sheet. Like he's like, okay, we mm. here's a great market that's open that we've never written a song for. Here's Galway Girl, or right. like let's write something with a little Latin beat, and then right. like you know here's that. I think like he's an incredible businessman and obviously a great songwriter as well. Yeah, but, yeah. But like, and like who's laughing? Do you know what I mean? He's he's yeah, he, yeah. He, I know, he, I know, I know what you say. I know what you're saying though, and um, I think, I yeah. Think, there's a number I've, had chat, yeah. I've had chats with Ed about this, like like almost almost heated debates. Actually, like I don't know if he'll thank me for saying it, but we we had. I remember us having a bit of a debate about busted. I remember busted or muck busted were coming back, and God, I'm I'm probably going to get in trouble for the, this sort of thing. But like my my, my viewpoint at that point is a bit like, now nah, I want Charlie to carry on doing fight star, carry yeah. on doing that sort of thing. Like I get it's like an opportunity for them to make this big comeback. He's like, no, no, all the fans are crossing over now. It's an amazing business move and made a really good point as to why that was just an, a great thing. But I guess like there's a bit of a, for want of a better word, there's still a bit of a kind of like indie snob in me somewhere. I think there is in me too. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult to, it's difficult to get rid of that sometimes with pop music. That's why I think it's really, I think you've, you have a similar sort of, because you've come up the hard way, right? And and like, you know, Jesus Christ, like, of course, Ed came up the hard way as well. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we've, we've, we've all heard the, the, the stories and, and, you know, like fair play to him for it. Like the man, the man knew what he wanted and he went out and got it. Mm. Um, but there is a certain element of that, like kind of indie snobbery that means mm. when you're like presented with like straight up farm fed yeah. pop music that you kind of have a, have a, difficult relationship with it i do and, and do you know what and it's and it's been like a bit of a chip on my shoulder because i've quite I've, I've sort of got to this point where i kind of like i feel like i've got to work twice as hard as everyone else sometimes mm -hmm. i've got to come with bangers and i've got to always strike a balance with stuff that i really like and want to get behind and stuff that i know my audience wants and that i've built this sort of name on and the sound and stuff you know when you have a song like say you won't let go that does what you know does the sort of things that it's done and becomes such a phenomenon you're sort of a little bit in the shadow of that in a way and um you know any anyone that knows me or if you look at my social media like i'm i'm kind of i'm into a lot of different styles of music and want to want to show different sides to me and yeah i think i think i, I sometimes find it hard when i i sort of see that indie snobbery aimed at me and I kind of, I'm like, I'm on your side in a way. It's a real, I'm, I grapple with that. I'm, yeah. conf I'm conflicted by that whole thing. Um, like the idea that I get, well, if I was like on the board at Glastonbury or Radio 1, you know, and like, it's like James Arthur's new song, like, should we play it or should we, should we have him on? Like they kind of, I, I would be like, what the X Factor guy? We're going to have, we're going to have this kid on. Like what yeah, the guy but who, who, who said some irresponsible shit back in 2013, like, um, it's you know it's it's hard it's hard sometimes I kind of think like they don't want me to win in a way I feel a bit of a heel in in, in the industry if it makes sense. But like I mean I mean you acknowledge that like like the the the, the thing like the the rap back in 2013 and you know apologize for it and 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 you know you know and we know and everybody knows it was it was Thomas Fock like but like you know Thomas Fock, yeah yeah but I mean everybody. Um, makes mistakes it's how you bounce back from it and i mean that's the word resilience that we were talking about earlier on because there was a period around there that like it looked like shit was going south and you managed to turn it around like what was the catalyst to turning it around um i saw just the song 
I think it was the song. It was I, I knew I knew I had to write some music that would would get me back on the radio again. And um, I went. I just went on this mission. Um, you know, going back to all that that period of time. You know, as you say, I was dumb as fuck. Like <laughs> I don't it, think I've ever said it dumb as fuck to anybody in an interview. <laughs> Mate, you, I mean, we could say worse. I was I was a complete fucking tool. And um, and and I was doing it on purpose. I was pressing the self destruct button. Cause I, cause I, like I said, I hadn't addressed a lot of the stuff that I'd gone through prior to going through that whole process. Mm-hmm. And when I got it, it was like, I don't know if you, you ever, like Tyson Fury, boxer, he always talks about how when, the night he won the, the 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 world title, he was like, oh fuck, what now, sort of thing. Yeah, like, this is what I thought I wanted, and and I hit and I hated how it felt. I just couldn't come to terms with it, and I did everything I could to push it away. I think I was just like. Um, in this place where I was just getting in Twitter spats and saying stupid shit and like responding to rap battles because I was like, I'm real. I'm not this fucking industry. Like I'm not this like shiny pop star. You know what I mean? I'm I, I'm the, I'm the guy from Save Arcade. Like it it was um yeah. It was just it, it was bro- it, it was that I was like, I had this inner saboteur was just kind of like taken over if you like. Um, just to explain that whole period of time. But yeah, after losing it all and being like, ah, shit, it's re- the dream's really over. I went on this this journey of, of um, I guess, soul searching and self-discovery. And um, I knew I had to just write and write music, I, I, you know. And that song brought me back from, uh, you know, it, it beat all the odds. It's, it's just a song, three, three and a half minutes of, of, an, of honest lyrics, um, to a girl, or or or, or your, your love or whatever that that was it. It was that was the turning point. And I mean, it, it's it's as simple as that. But like, did you did you have flashbacks? Like I like I feel that like if you've ever like been skinned before, that it's always in the back of your mind. If you're like making career choices that you could be there again. Like it's definitely been in my head, like going, Oh shit. What if I fuck up and yeah. I, I have to go back to, definitely. I mean, I was more skint than I'd ever been at that point. I'd, I was about half a million pound in debt probably. But that's the thing about, about X factor, isn't it? Like everybody mm. thinks that you make tons of money off it, but you, you don't until you get out by your own really. Yeah, no, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of, um, Friday nights in Moldova singing impossible and stuff like that. Like that mm. was, that was, there was a lot of that keeping me out of the red for a while whilst, um, whilst I didn't have a deal. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd run up a bit of debt with my management and stuff like that. And you've got to recoup and all that, you know, Royal yeah. uh, royalties and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I feel for anyone who's, who's had a big major deal and then lost it and I'm trying to kind of, um, salvage a life after that it's, it was a, it was a tough thing to do what is your relationship with with like the industry and 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 stuff like now um in comparison to to back then well i think the fact that that um again i think i've earned my stripes in a sense where like you know you know how labels um operate i don't i don't mean to sort of diminish what they do or or demean what they do or anything but you know, it's a numbers game, isn't it? And um, I've proved that I can put up big numbers. And um, as long as I, yeah, as, as long as I'm producing music and I'm active and I'm doing my bit on social media and I'm keeping things ticking over, I, I think um, a label would be interested in me. So I'm aware that I'm in a, a sort of, I'm aware I'm in a, in, in a position of power myself now and that I hold the cards and I, I just have to do the right things and, and make good music and, I, and and I think they know if I'm in control of the music that it's gonna be it's gonna be more authentic than if they send me on a tour of songwriting camps and stuff like that. Songwriting camps and things like that. Do you, yeah. Do you do a lot of that? Like, uh, do you do you, like a? Do you do a lot of that for yourself? Do you do co-writes? And b? Do you do co-writes for other people? Um, I, I've started doing. I've only really started doing co-writes for other people now in terms of like actually doing pitch sessions where I'm getting in there and I'm. I'm trying to write songs for other people. I've only really just started doing that. I've had, you know, songs in the past that didn't make my albums that have gone to other people or whatever. Um, have they been successful? Um, well, I've got a song out right now, Ella Henderson and Tom Grennan. It's like oh, number right. one that I wrote. It's number one? 
It's number one on iTunes right now. It's it's, t- it's top 20 in the officials, I think. <laughs> that's, that's all right for something. <laughs> Fair enough. Well. Yeah. It's got, I think it's going to do quite well. I think it's going to do quite well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've not really, yeah, I've not done a lot of that really, to be honest. But yeah, in terms of, I've done a lot of um, collaborating with people. But this recent album, the, the fourth album, um, I did it all here at the house, obviously the only way I could do it. Mm. Uh, and I realized how much I hated that process of going to, going and doing songwriting camps and, and studio hopping. I, I, I it doesn't appeal to my nature at all. I'm like that bit of social anxiety. If you want to get a good song from a songwriting session, you have to make yourself very vulnerable to strangers a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, so yeah, like I've got one. I've got a couple of um, guys that I really trust and and, and and know me well now after after writing with them for seven or eight years now that I, that I really like um, Andrew Jackson and guys Red Triangle. Um, uh, Wayne Hector, you know, there's, there's a few guys that um, I really get on. I was watching your videos and stuff. I mean, your your beat making is like pretty pretty on point. Um, this is something I'm starting to do more. Yeah, it's starting to do my. <laughs> I, I, that that's a hard one that you know, like put it sharing that kind of stuff with people because I've you know I'm, I'm everyone has heard me sing. You know, you either love it or you don't, whatever. But when you put in like your sort of production stuff out there, I've always been heavily involved in the production of my albums, but. I'm like, I really like the idea of making beats now, and I'm, mm. I've started doing that. Yeah, the one I did the other day, I've, I've grappled with the idea of deleting it so many times. Sounded cute. Might delete later. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I mean, like, do you think it'll get to the point where you'll be able to like completely three sixty your whole record? You'll be able to make yeah. it yourself, release it yourself. I mean, it would really be in keeping with your love of UK rap, really. Like, you know, a lot of those artists make it themselves yeah, and release yeah. it themselves without a label. Well, certainly I've plans to do things in that in that genre, yeah, by, completely by myself. Because I think I've learned, you know, this lockdown and pandemic, I'm sure it's you've heard it from a lot of artists now, and it's probably a bit boring for a lot of people to hear, but um, it was a bit of a blessing for me. Um, because it it helped me realize how much I can streamline this whole thing and how much I can do by myself. And I'm sitting in like a one of a couple of little studio setups I've got in um, in my house now um, that I can create content out of. And there's no limits really to what I can do. And like you know, it's straight to consumer now as well, isn't it? It's with streaming and stuff. So um, yeah, and and uh, and yeah, just the production thing. I'm just very. I'm, I'm very into the idea of do, doing more of that myself too. Cause I, you know, the guys I work with now that produce a lot of my stuff, I fucking must do their heads in the amount of notes. <laughs> the but amount. That's it. it's your, if it's your music and you're working with a producer, that's like, I, I say this to the, like, I, I do a lot of work with young artists, um, um, through, through my label and through some, uh, just one-to-one basis. And the one thing I always just say to them, and, and one thing it's very difficult for young artists to understand, is when you're in a studio and you're paying somebody else to be in that studio, yeah, your decision is the main decision in the room. Like you can take guidance from those people, yeah. but you have to remember you're paying them for your time. You should not be second voice in the room or third voice in the room. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. That that to me is <laughs> is that's a craft. Um, all in of, it, in of itself yeah, like, yeah definitely it's something that I've I've um, yeah it's taken me a lot of years to really um, perfect and and I, and I think again like you know me making this album at home that um, that comfortability factor being just having an escape plan or whatever and you know being in your own in your own four walls and the, and the studio being yours like that, that voice it feels even more validated so I think that's what's made the my music. Sorry, I'm like plugging my album again here. Like, no, no, please. Like, like, I mean, that's like what we're sort of talking about now. Okay. Is like, is really the the sonics of of the new record and like where yeah. it's going. Like, what is a, what is this record? Who is this record for? Um, honestly, it's it's it it was um a really a really cathartic album for me. Really, it was mm. a very reflective and personal album. Um. It, it's it's when you when you hear it, um, 
if if you're looking for any sort of narrative throughout the album, like a thread throughout it, you're gonna hear the guy that we were t- that we were talking about at the very beginning of our chat, the one that's got a bit of health anxiety, he keeps hitting the same walls in his life, and um, it's maybe processing all the stuff he's been through over the last seven eight years, um, and uh, and I'm doing it, and 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 it's you know it's it's the same sort of songwriting you might be used to from me. It's uh, the the melodies are all, I feel like you know. Um, you're not scared of a good melody like the thought out they're strong I think they're strong <laughs> melody and uh, but it's dressed up in a much cooler way than before it's it's in in a way that I've kind of wanted to I've wanted to dress my music up in for a long time um, it's rock it's basically like the verses are as, uh, as if Travis Scott was approaching like was doing the verse and then I'm doing the chorus like that's yeah. how I sort of approached um approached the songwriting it was like what what if travis scott was a feature or if uh, kenny hoopler or, or whoever who's who's like a, a rapper or or in, in in the trap world was featuring on this song how would he come in and like that's why a lot of the verses like you've got a you kind of have a standard classic songwritery first verse and then the second verses they come in like the rappers on it yeah but, yeah but it's, but it's me obviously uh, and i might be rapping or i might be you know, doing something that's a little bit different to what you're used to. And then the choruses are very like rock influenced, a big kind of anthemic. There's a lot of anthemic sort of rock choruses going on. Well, if you need like a Northern Irish person to do trap ad libs, like a, 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 a easy skirt, skirt. Yeah, I, I could do a couple of, of sips from, uh, from Irish. Irish. Ones, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would definitely take your album down a couple of places in the charts like that. Like there, the, 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 there is, a, there is a lot of them like hypes on this album though. <laughs> you just doing things like boop boop. It's very. <laughs> it sounds like my, my like uh, FaceTime's just coming on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was trying to sort of embody. Yeah. Listen, man, thank you for taking the time out to to come on the the Slacker podcast. I know that was only the second podcast you've you've ever done, but I've. Uh, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. It's been uh, yeah. insightful. I've really enjoyed talking to you, mate. And again, I'm a big fan. So uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, hopefully we'll do another one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.